भद्रम कर्णे शृणुयाम देवा भद्रम पश्येक्षिजत्रुष्टुवागुंसस्तनु व्यशेम देवित यदायु स्वस्ति न इंद्रो वृद्धश्रवा स्वस्ति न पूषा विश्ववेदा स्वस्ति नस्ताक्ष्यो अरिष्टने स्वस्ति नो बृहस्पतिर्दा ओं शातिशाशाति सो वी वेर स्टडिंग द फोर्थ चैप्टर ऑफ दि मांडुक्य कारिका एंड दि वे गोइंग टू स्टार्ट दि सेवेंटी नाइन्थ कारिका इज दैट राइट सेवेंटी नाइन्थ कारिका यस अभूताधी सदृशे तत्वते वस्व स बुद्ध निस्संगम विवर्तते ट्रांसलेशन सिंस ओइंग टू अ बिलीफ इन द एक्सिस्टेंस ऑफ अनरियालिटीज कॉन्शियसनेस एंगेजेस इट सेल्फ इन थिंग्स दैट आर इक्वली सो इट इज अनरियल देर फोर वेन वन हेज द रियलाइजेशन ऑफ द एबसेंस ऑफ objects consciousness becomes unattached and turns back all right remember the um example of the princess of kashi the princess of kashi the example i gave yesterday the story so the princess of kashi uh, did not exist as anything apart from that that prince and yet he thought of the princess of kashi has having a separate existence and then it is desirable and then i'll be unhappy unless i get the princess of kashi so this is what is being said here abhuta abhinivesha abhuta abhinivesha abhinivesad abhuta means that which has not come into existence that's not not a second reality there is no second reality apart from you the thurium apart from that prince there was no second reality actually called the princess of kashi so abhuta vishaya that which has not come into being abhinivesha becoming engrossed obsessed with and then wanting it Now, there is impossible to satisfy that desire because it does not exist what will satisfy that desire because of that abhuta abhinivesadhi सदृशे प्रवर्तते सदृशे मीन्स इन सिमिलर एंटिटीज ड्यूअलिज्म वंस यूर यू बिलीव इन द एक्सिस्टेंस ऑफ एन एक्सटर्नल एंटिटी वेन यू बिलीव दैट अदर देन दूरियम देर इज अ सेकेंड रियालिटी देन द ऑल दीज प्रोडक्ट्स ऑफ माया वन गेट्स इनग्रॉस्ड इन दैम सो वॉट हैज हैपन्ड आई डू नॉट नो माई सेल्फ एज दूरियम i do not know myself as brahman so first is agyana uh, ignorance not knowing oneself as brahman uh, one makes the mistake that i am body mind because this is the one which is directly presented to us so this waking state is real here in this waking state here i am this body it i feel this is this is i this is called adhyasa what am i this one what is this i you see mutual it's called anyonya adhyasa mutual superimposition i the consciousness i identify it with a material thing the body 
and the material thing I identify with consciousness. What is this I? What am I? This one. So once this has happened, I am firmly identified with the body in the waking state, I become the waker, Vishwa. And now there is a world. In this world, there are many things apart from me. Some of them I find pleasant because it's a body. Body has certain needs. Uh, food is there, shelter, all of these things are necessary. Mind has certain tastes developed over lifetimes. So vasana is there. And all of these things I identify. My desire, tendencies stored in the mind, but I don't say these are tendencies stored in the mind which is an object. No, I don't say like that. I say it is my desire and I must satisfy these desires. Those objects are desirable. Princes of Kashi. There is no princess of Kashi at all, apart from me. It's a total error. Abhuta vishaya abhinivesha. Abhinivesha engrossed, obsessed with non-existence, with fictions. Not just desire, opposite also. This is um, terrible. This is to be, I'm afraid of it. Here is a lion chasing me through the plains of Africa. I must climb the tree. Non-existent lion chasing non-existent. Swami means that particular body in the dream. Non-existent. And climbing non-existent tree. Uh, if Gaudapada says this, I will say he is crazy. But we experience it every night. Yeah. In our dreams, such a similar thing comes. Uh, Gaudapada is just extending it one step further and saying that in the waking state also, this is what is happening. Tat sadrisham pravartate. Sadrisham means the products of Ajnana. What are the products of Ajnana? All Jadavastu, this entire world, anything that is an object to consciousness, we become engrossed in that. And that leads to samsara. Then what, what is the way out? Vastu abhavam sa buddhva eva. Having realized vastu abhava, that it does not exist apart from me. When the prince realized, Oh, that princess of Kashi was no separate person apart from me. I was, when I was a child, you remember the story. When I was a child, I played that role and I was wearing that dress. Nama Rupa, Nama princess of Kashi, that Rupa is the, of the princess. And now I think it's, an ex, it's a separate thing apart from me. Now I realize it does not exist apart from me. Then what happens when you realize that? When you realize that, Nisangam. One becomes Nisanga. One becomes means one realizes Turiya or Brahman is forever Nisanga. Nisanga means without any attachment, non-stick, Teflon. You are the non-stick Atma. Nothing sticks to you. It's a very profound statement. If you think about it, it will plunge you into the deepest meditation. Pure minds thinking about the Asanga nature, Nisanga nature of Atma will go into Samadhi. What sticks to you? People, no, even those who are closest to us, father, mother, grandparents, great-grandparents, they age and they pass away. Children grow up and go away. Our, this very body itself, it ages and changes and finally it dies. Nothing sticks to you. What is it that is tied to you permanently? Nothing. Your most cherished thoughts. I, the person, I am composed of so many memories. We think we are, we are so, uh, we embrace this idea of a person. I am a unique person. And to me, my memories are very important. Those memories, mostly they are vague, half forgotten. And slowly, little by little, many things in the past have been forgotten. 
most experiences very difficult to recall and if unfortunately parkinson alzheimer comes everything forgotten are you the consciousness gone no you are still there you are the witness of the slowly degenerating body mind but you are still there you are not affected by it asanga and why think about whole lifetime every day in the night as we fall asleep entire waking world all the people all the problems the whole samsara including body which is most precious to us whole thing is totally completely forgotten no experience of it and totally forgotten as if it never existed we go enter into a dream world or into deep sleep everything forgotten you the consciousness continues asanga once now what gaudapada is suggesting without falling asleep uh, without going into samadhi without dying in this moment in this life right now can i appreciate my asanga nissanga nature enjoy it yes how vastu abhavam buddhva when you realize everything here is there one thing here which is apart from me is it a separate entity apart from me just like every entity in the dream is not apart from the dreamer's mind similarly every entity in the waking state now every person every object every place um, every relationship every activity and my own body and my own thoughts including vedantic thoughts all of them are not a second reality apart from consciousness they are all appearances in consciousness they have no existence apart from consciousness they are consciousness with names and forms and i am that consciousness this makes you asanga asanga nissanga non attached does not mean there are two entities and somehow you have to cut the link between them then you will be non attached you have to coat yourself with teflon or non stick and then nothing else will stick with you no it means there is no second entity with what will you be attached this is the advaita sanga advaita sanga a sanga of gaudapada or non duality is to realize your non dual nature and then see that there is no second thing at all with what will you be attached with whom will you be attached your greatest achievements which bring so much joy to you slowly fade into the past one day we may even forget about it greatest sorrows which bring so much shock and trauma to us slowly it fades away everything fades away and godapada will always say greatest achievement greatest trauma that day very day in the night you will forget everything consciousness continues it leaves behind outer clothes uh, the suksh and the sthula sharira gross body leaves it behind inner clothes are my thoughts perceptions feelings ideas memories also left out and i move ahead so this is asanga atma the beauty is to enjoy this asanga nature this nature of being non attached to anything because there is no second thing to be attached to the great obsession the love that the prince had for the princess of kashi it disappears not because now he does not love her anymore no it is because he realizes there is no princess of kashi second princess of kashi apart from him so we become asanga nissanga by realizing this whole universe is not apart from me and that's possible if you take your stand as turiya not as waker 
in the waking world if you realize yourself as surya you become asanga and life becomes absolutely free nothing to be afraid of nothing to be frustrated about nothing to be um, uh, you know uh, obsessed about that i want this without this i'll be unhappy absolutely not you have it already everything in this universe is yours it, it has no second existence apart from you from you the turiya so this is what he is saying see the verse again abhuta abhiniveshadhi sadrishe tat pravartate by a strong belief in this thing which has not been born a second entity apart from turiya one becomes attached to dual dualistic ob- objects um, uh, in dvaita that means a second existence apart from you tat pravartate and one gets engaged pravartate means engaged in activity once you realize vastu abhavam the absence of any second entity nissangam you you enjoy your completely unattached nature absolutely um, limitless nature let, let us say vinivartate then you withdraw from such obsessions 80 so today also we'll do that we'll re- do a few verses and then uh, take the questions and observations and have a dialogue 80 so when you when you realize the absence of a second and realize your non dual nature nisanga nature then what happens 80 nivrittasya pravrittasya nischalahi tadasthitihi vishaya sahi buddhanam tatsamyamajamadvayam having now withdrawn from obsessive uh, engagement with the world because of um, uh, this uh, this error that there is a second entity there are other entities apart from me uh, one attains to uh, absolute steadiness nischala tadasthitihi what is this nischala it is not the uh, steadiness of the body i'll sit steady and i will not move around anymore or even the steadiness of the mind i'll always be immersed in samadhi that's not what is meant here consciousness or turiya or brahman is nischala it never changes it never comes never goes so that that uh, immense immobility that immense um, i would say mountain like steadiness and that remains i'm always reminded of a beautiful japanese poem a zen poem uh, it goes like this uh, that the storm is over the last clouds float away now we sit the old mountain and i until only the mountain remains beautiful you see storm you can think of storm as samsara the storm is over and the clouds are the source of samsara agyana and that cloud also has gone away the clouds are gone now what is there you the sadhaka and the vast vast mountain where you are sitting for meditation imagine that is brahman you are sitting with brahman until only the mountain remains until only brahman remains your separate self is uh, erased or you see that there is no separate self at all a storm 
the storm is over, the last clouds float away, uh, we sit together, the old mountain and I, until only the mountain remains. Nivrittasya apravrittasya. Nivrittasya means having withdrawn from this crazy engagement with dreamlike objects. Apravritta, no longer setting forth, you know, trying to fulfill oneself by uh, worldly engagement. Nishchalastiti, one remains centered in this vast consciousness. Vishaya sahi buddhanam. Buddhanam here means, uh, I mean, literally, if you say it, means the Buddhas. Again, immediately, the scholars will perk up their ears and, oh, look, Gaudapada is Buddhist. Buddhanam here means for the, the awakened ones. Vishaya sahi buddhanam. This is the vision. This is what the awakened ones see. This vast sky-like consciousness, mountain-like consciousness, without limit, ever there. And they are centered in it. What is it like? Tat samyam. Homogeneous, that is always there. It did not come and go. It's not that I have become enlightened. Now I have become infinite consciousness. No. The moment you awaken, you will see it has always been there. You just say, how come I didn't see it? It has always been everywhere. It, it's the only thing that has ever been there. It's like recognizing water in the wave or gold in the ornament. That's all that has always been there or clay in the pot. It's the substance of reality. It's, it's the very essence of reality. Samyam, always there. So it's not something that I have suddenly come across. It's always there. Ajam, favorite word, Godapada. Ajam means uh, unborn, unoriginated. Brahman or Turiyam or consciousness is not something that has been produced and nor is it something that produces anything else. It, has not, it is not an effect of any other cause. The child's question, you know, who created God? No, ajam, it is unoriginated. And it is also not the cause. It is also not the cause of a universe. The universe is an appearance. Ajam, advayam, non-dual. So these uh, three are connected. Samyam means forever the same. How can consciousness be forever the same? Because it is ajam. Ajam means that it is beyond change. Only a cause is, causality there is change. Cause changes into effect. Effect is born. Effect exists. Effect again goes back into the cause. So when there is cause and effect, there will be change. But ajam, in the unborn reality, no change is possible. Therefore, samyam. And how is it unchanging? How is it beyond causality? Because advayam, non-dual. Causality requires two, cause and effect. Non-dual, without a second reality, so um, th th there can be no cause and effect. Samyam, Ajam, Advayam, one homogeneous reality in all space, in all time, uh, because it is non-causal, Ajam. And Ajam, non-causal, because it is non-dual, because there is no second thing apart from it. This is the vision, Savishaya Buddhanam, this is the vision of the Buddhas or the enlightened ones. Notice, it's not that suddenly you'll you know, there'll be a burst of uh, radiance or something like that, and that's it. The whole world will disappear. No, no, not like that. 
The world may come and go. These are all appearances in you, the consciousness. One sadhu in Uttarakhand says, Aave to aave, jave usse aapko kya? Let the, let, let visions come. World and people and events. You are the awareness, you are the screen on which this movie is playing. It is nothing to you. Enjoy it. It can be an aesthetic experience. And it goes away. Let it go. Nothing really has come, nothing really has gone. You, need, you are not worried. When things happen in a movie, people are born and people fight and they die. The whole thing is an appearance for you. It is not a second reality apart from your consciousness. Savishaya, this is the vision of the enlightened ones. Notice, the enlightened one does not mean that that person will not be engaged in activity. It seems as if nivartate, apravritta, withdraws from activity, does not uh, engage into further activity, as if it remains like a, uh, like a stone image or something like that. No, he is talking about being centered in consciousness. Being centered in consciousness, afterwards, in the waking world, the body is there, body will appear, the world will appear, people will appear, responsibilities, everything will be there. And you can go on acting, you can go on working. Enlightened ones like Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita or Vivekananda, dynamic, tremendous source, um, you know, uh, center of uh, activity and dynamism. Uh, you can do tremendous work. Swami Vivekananda said, immense activity uh, and absolute peace together. Uh, generally our problem is a lot of activity and lot of disturbance or the opposite, no activity and you fall asleep. <laughs> so I can say is absolutely centered in, 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 in total peace and yet externally can be tremendously active. One more verse let us do. He goes on to talk about the nature of this realization. Nature of Turiya and Realization. See, here Moksha, Liberation and Turiya are equated. We normally talk about Moksha as, the, as liberation. Bondage is in ignorance. We think we are body and mind and going from birth to death, this is bondage. And then we get liberated from this bondage and we call it Moksha. And by realizing that we are Turiya. But the very nature of Turiya or Brahman or Atman, whatever you call it, the very nature of that is Moksha. So, whatever he is describing can equally be, he is talking about moksha, it is equally applicable to Turiya. It is, it is exactly the same thing which he is describing. Beautiful verse 81. All of these verses are very beautiful. They are all from the perspective of an enlightened being. Ajam anidram asvapnam prabhatam bhavati swayam sakrid vibhato he vesha Dharmo dhato svabhavataha Ajam, okay, translation. This becomes birthless, sleepless, dreamless and self-luminous. For this entity is ever effulgent by its very nature. Ajam manidram asvapnam. Same word again, Ajam, but here it, it is a special way he has used it. Very beautiful phrase. Ajam manidram asvapnam. What does it mean? Ajam, the unborn. What is born? The body, this way, the physical body in the waking state, this one is born, right? So, ajam means you are not the body. The one which is born, you are not that. Uh, that means you are not the waker, vishwa. Who is the waker? Consciousness identified with the body. Now you are being told, 
ajam you are not that enlightened one realizes i am not this thing ajam so i am unborn the body is born ani um, uh, aswapnam the one beyond dreams who dreams it is this consciousness alone limited by the mind in the dream state swapna one becomes taijasa identified with the mind in dream uh, with the dreamer is is taijasa when it any says aswapna it means you are not the taijasa not the dreamer ajam not the waker aswapnam not the dreamer and then anidram nidram means deep sleep so you, who is the deep sleeper pragya consciousness limited by the state of deep sleep i i was in deep sleep i did not know anything you are not even that so you are consciousness which is a witness of waking dreaming deep sleep but not limited to any of them not identified with any of them and therefore this one phrase very beautiful phrase you see ajam anidram aswapnam what does it mean you are not the waker vishwa you are not the dreamer taijasa you are not the deep sleeper pragya then who are you duriyam the witness consciousness and he uses a beautiful word for witness consciousness you see prabhatam <laughs> pravatam means dawn the breaking of morning literally it means consciousness a vast consciousness so just like the first burst of light which dispels darkness that is prabhatam your name is prabhatam prabhatam that means the prabhat is also a name actually uh, for many people in india so prabhatam means dawn it means pure consciousness you are not the waker not the dreamer not the deep sleeper your consciousness itself prabhatam and prabhatam bhavati swayam one one becomes or one realizes that one is this pure consciousness not waker dreamer deep sleeper ajam anidram aswapnam prabhatam bhavati swayam what is the nature of this consciousness sakrit vibhata hi eva esha sakrit vibhata ever shining a flash of lightning but imagine an infinite flash of lightning blazing all the time i mentioned i've quoted arobindo earlier Uh, imagine the whole sky like a mass of light divi vachakshur like one the whole as if it's a mass of light and it's it's a it's an eye an immortal eye and his language aurobindo's language uh, the world drowned in the white radiance of an immortal gaze what powerful language the world drowned in the white radiance of an immortal gaze what is that immortal gaze consciousness pravatam you the turiyam dharmo dhatu swabhavat dharma here means atma the self not dharma dharma here it means uh, the self the atman dhatu swabhavat by its very nature so it doesn't become it was not that you are a body earlier now you have become vast consciousness no you always were dhatu swabhavat by the by the very nature of the atman so what is by the nature of the atman you are pure consciousness unchanging eternal unlimited awareness this is what you are right now <laughs> right now by your very nature so what is not consciousness by nature the mind is not consciousness by nature it has borrowed its consciousness from the atman from turiya from you 
And that's why the mind feels conscious now, lit up. Thoughts, feelings, emotions, ideas, memories, they all feel lit up by consciousness. And from the mind, the sensory system borrows consciousness. So when you see something right now, when you hear something, the seeing and hearing also feels like conscious events. And the, from the sensory system, the body feels conscious. So you feel conscious extending all around the body. Wherever the nervous system is active, you feel consciousness. So body is actually borrowed. It's not dhatu swabhava. It's not the nature of the body to be conscious. It is borrowed consciousness from the sensory system. It's not the nature of the sensory system to be conscious also. It is borrowed consciousness from the mind. How do you know? When the body dies or is in um, coma, there doesn't seem to be any consciousness there. So consciousness seems to come into the body and then leave the body. So it is borrowed from the mind. And the mind borrows it from, uh, from Turiyam. From you the consciousness. So only you have consciousness as dhatu swabhava, as the very nature of, of your reality. You are, your reality itself is consciousness. Okay. Um, little change of topic will be there. Actually, same topic. The topic here is, what is the problem we are facing? If you are Turiya itself, what is the problem we are facing and how to solve it? Uh, what is ignorance? What is realization? So he will take up that uh, issue in the next verse. Why is it that we feel all good in the class? Uh, but uh, after the class, it gets all confused. What's, what's the problem? He'll come in the next verse, he'll talk 82. But before that, um, Prakyat, do we have questions? Hmm? Prakyat is in Belurmat. I was thinking about Sri Ramakrishna's statement, not I but thou, not I but thou. Yes. And also, I am a machine, thou art the operator. These seem to me to be the essence of Advaita, because they're both pointing to the non-existence of the I, the, the so-called snake that's actually the rope of the Atman. Would you agree with this uh, formulation? Yes with a stipulation that this is actually not Advaita. You are essentially a devotee. So Bill is very essentially is devotional by nature. So that's why it seems to you like that. Yes, it's true. It is the same truth, but seen from a devotee's angle. Um, exactly what you said, Turiyanandaji was telling a young monk. He said, I am Brahman, I am that. Swami Vivekananda could say it. He means honestly. It could just feel, if you feel it, it's true. It does not come so easily to us. I'm sure it came very easily to Turiyanandaji, but he is telling it as an instruction to the rest of us. It do, that does not come easily to us. So, that, so I say, thou, not I. This same reality which he is talking about, an infinite awareness, uh, the old mountain. <laughs> when I cannot lose the sense of a separate reality being grounded in this body, yet I have the feeling of a divine presence then my natural tendency is not I but thou. This sense of I seems to be a terrible limitation. It seems to be an, an obstacle and it's a useless um, you know, troublemaker. That's the ego. And I want to lose that in the immensity of God. It's the devotee approaching the same Turiyam. But what Advaita is trying to tell you is, it's you. This Turiyam is you. Let go of that limited grounding in the body. 
if you if we cannot let you say how do you do that you can do that by this process note that every night you let go of the grounding in the body when you go in your dream you have let go of the grounding in the body which is sleeping on the bed when you go into deep sleep you let go of the grounding in the dream body so you the consciousness are not the body once we begin to appreciate that then what godapada is doing that consciousness which is not the body now he begins to explore the dimensions of that consciousness what is it is it does it change no the body changes the mind changes the states change waking dreaming deep sleep not the consciousness because all these are changing in the consciousness you are aware of these changes so consciousness yeah when he says i am the machine really machine you are the operator that implies there is no i It's yes really, you can do that if you're satisfied with that very good gaurapada would push you along the lines which i'm talking about gaurapada would push you along the direct you along the lines i am talking about but if you say it's a machine and there is no i you know if you're happy with that very good you're satisfied with that but what gaurapada would say is that thou art the machine i am not i but thou uh, i am not there who says this to whom to what is this truth appearing it's a very appealing beautiful truth of surrender to the divine but godapada would say to whom to what what entity recognizes this surrender it's not the i the little i it must be consciousness and that consciousness must be you but it seems to me the most important teaching of advaita is the non-existence of the i No, the most important uh, teaching of Advaita is that you are Brahman. As a corollary, it shows that you are not this little I. Which is profoundly has profound implications for one's life. Yes. Notice what Advaita would say is when you realize I am not this I. Who is the one who is realizing this? suppose you are not conscious at all would this realization come i am not the i neither the i would be evident nor the realization that i am not the i that that would, would be evident none of this would be evident at all let that day come the what i said let that day come yes <laughs> godapada says if you want it that day is today <laughs> yes okay, okay. right right arjun Yes. I can't hear you. Arjun, can you unmute yourself? Yes. Uh, Pranam Maharaj. Namaste. So I, I'm trying to understand the perspective of the witness. So you have the Sakshi. Yes. Then you have the Knower, and the Knower knows the Known. Yes, Sakshi. What? Use the Sanskrit term Sakshi Pramata Prameya. Prameya. Or consciousness mind world yeah so consciousness knower knows can i use that i would say consciousness mind world witness knower known okay witness knower known. no yeah now the knower is entangled with the known yes knower knows does the witness know the known mm yes this is the same no, question no, 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 same no, question no, which no, you no, asked no, yesterday 
No, no, just one thing. Uh. I know the knower enables, the witness enables the knower. I know that. Yes. But does it know the known? Does it know the known? Yes. But, yes, but, because there is nobody else who will know. Who will know? So, no, witness does not know, the mind knows, only in a certain technical sense. It's just like asking. So, I am trying to be uh, careful here to see that you get the right sense of, of the, the teaching. Right. That's uh, very subtle. That's it's a very subtle point. Uh, you are asking after knowing everything about astronomy and how the sun reflects of the moon and the moonlight illumines the earth. Now, you are asking, does the, I understand, the sunlight comes and reflects from the moon and then we call it moonlight and then the moonlight shines on the earth. But I am asking, does the sun illumine the earth at night? Does the sun illumine the earth at night? What will you say? You will say, in conventional way, it, it's not, we don't say that the sun will illumine the earth at night. We say moon illumines the earth at night. But practical, but actually, Actually, it is the sun which is illumining the earth at night. Yeah, but in this example, Maharaj, when you are using the sun, it's more of an enablement. Yes. But I am talking not of enablement, I am clear. Yes. I am talking about awareness. Is, is the sun aware of the earth? Right. But if you say yes, uh, if, you, if you say that, uh, who is aware? Is the Sakshi aware of the known? I will say yes. Uh, why? Why? If I ask you, does the knower know the known? You will say yes. Then I will ask you, who is the knower? Apparently, it is the mind. Really, it is the Sakshi. Yeah, so that's where my uh, when, when you say, Aham Brahmasmi, what does it mean? I, the Jiva, am really Brahman. What is the teaching? I, who thought I was body mind, am really Brahman. Jiva Brahmevanapara. But it, remember, it is the same consciousness which is the witness which appears as the consciousness of mind. As I was just saying, mind lit up thinking. So, who is thinking? Is mind thinking or witness thinking? Witness consciousness does not do anything. And yet, without that, no thinking is possible. Let me read out something from Vivekananda. So, this is something that Bill actually pointed out yesterday. He was saying that this is a beautiful collection, Living at the Source, uh, the Yoga Teachings of Vivekananda. Um, so, yesterday over dinner, Bill was telling me, you know, in chapter 14 of this book, Vivekananda says many things which, is, which are very similar to what Gaudapada says. So, here is the first one and this is an answer to your question. The first saying, Real existence, real knowledge and real love, by this he means Sat Chit Ananda, are eternally connected with one another, the three in one. In more precise Vedantic language, they are one reality, not actually three things connected one. Where one of them is, the others also must be. They are three aspects of the one without a second, existence, knowledge, bliss. Now, your question. When that existence becomes relative, we see it as the world. That knowledge becomes in turn modified into the knowledge of the things of the world. And that bliss forms the foundation of all true love known to the heart of man. So, <laughs> you see? Uh, 
गुड क्वेश्चन गुरु श्री रामकृष्ण टीचिंग हिम वेदांत बट ऑल्सो मेडिटेटिंग सो मच एक्चुअली सिटिंग एंड मेडिटेटिंग but if you want to make a distinction the distinction is this um the path of knowledge stresses vichara inquiry the path of meditation stresses psychic control that's why swami vivekananda also and from the ancient times also these two have been distinguished bhagwan sri krishna says uh, sankhya yoga there is one sankhya there is one yoga they are not two separate things they are both leading to the same reality but their approach is different and it can be combined harmoniously and gaudapada also recommends yes you can meditate now what is the if you want a crucial difference if you want to make if you actually want to make a difference you to it would be this right now this realization is talking about prabhatam ajam asvapnam anidram how do i realize this according to the path of yoga psychic control they will tell you sit quietly don't move physically shut down your senses close your eyes be in a calm place quiet place where no external input will disturb you then slowly gently quieten the vrittis and to do that it's it's good to have one vritti you know om 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 one vritti or krishna 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 one vritti that will that will quieten all the vrittis and then you let go of that vritti also yoga chitta vritti nirodha in the stilled mind in the stilled mind the the truth that i am consciousness apart from mind and that means apart from the world also that should become clear clear to whom clear to the mind consciousness that truth will arise in the mind so yoga sutra says tada drashtu swarupe avasthanam when the mind is stilled really stilled absorbed in samadhi then the consciousness remains in its real nature in its real in, then the seer the witness remains in its real nature as consciousness advaita would simply point out it it is always remaining in its real nature as consciousness but you appreciate that fact clearly at that point so this is path of psychic control raja yoga patanjali yoga but what does um, advaita what what does gaudapada tell you gaudapada says no 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 need to control the vittis whatever experiences come as that sadhu said aave to aave jaave to jaave in whatever experience comes you notice that it is shining in consciousness it is not apart from consciousness in fact consciousness alone exists you notice it's a fact right now if you remove the ignorance if you if you appreciate yourself as turiyam if one can make one can make that breakthrough ha huh? if one can make that breakthrough then what gaudapada is saying will be evident will be clear to us in every experience you don't have to shut down experience in every experience the truth of advaita will be clear ken upanishad pratibodha viditam matam amritatvam vivindate in every bodha in every experience in every vritti talking walking thinking running uh, meditating 
uh, enjoying suffering in every experience consciousness will be revealed to you that you are that consciousness you already know the limitless nature of that consciousness huh? not to erase the experience so how does this vedantic huh? so how does this vedantic meditation meridhyasana helps because yes. in any case we are experiencing every moment true now we'll come to that actually next verse you'll say that it is easy to say these things but then the pro- what is the problem he will say um so one sadhu said beautifully advait pratiti ko mitane ke liye nahi hai mahatma ji advait aapko pratiti mein nir- vyavahar mein nirbad banata hai very beautiful profound saying if you want to make a distinction between yoga and vedanta it is this distinction advaita is not for wiping out or erasing the experience of the world yoga is yoga necessarily there must be a stage where you must erase the experience of the world otherwise drashtu swarupa avasthanam will not be clear but vedanta says in the middle of experience in fact you need that experience to realize that you are consciousness so what does it vedanta do advait aapko vyavahar mein nirbad banata hai in vyavahar in transaction you realize in the waking world you realize i am not the waker this is not the waking world i the turiya alone and am appearing as waker and waking world i am the infinite being here appearing to be limited there is not one thing in this world which is other than me not one person who is other than me absolutely not uh, brotherhood or sisterhood identity complete oneness so this is what advaita teaches you or shows you but the difference is this so humorously i remember one sadhu i met in gangotri um very young sadhu uh i think Sh- uh, shiva hari giri i forget his name a very uh, nepali sadhu young sadhu he was meditating a lot so once i spoke with him we would speak once in a while i once i spoke with him and i said uh, what are you trying to do he said i am trying to um i'm practicing uh patanjali yoga trying to get samadhi uh, trying to get samadhi sampragyata samadhi or sampragyata samadhi and he says once i actually came close to it but i got scared he was telling me in hindi uh, he got up from it as asana and uh, ran away in fear <laughs> and now he has been trying for the last few years to get that but he is not getting close to it also so that that's what he is saying so i asked him you know my tendency i asked him aapko vedanta kaisa lagta hai what do you think about vedanta so his answer is very instructive his mind is a yogi's mind so his answer is uh, in hindi i'll tell you and then translate vedanta uh, he said vedanta theek hai lekin bahut baat karte hain anubhuti nahi hai unke paas unke paas he said vedanta is okay but they talk a lot they don't have the experience so this i need a particular experience then only i will be spiritual uh, what vedanta is telling you if you have the knowledge if you remove the ignorance if you realize yourself as turiyam every experience is a spiritual experience if you take a cup of tea also it's a ex- spiritual experience as much as sitting in samadhi it's a very radical thing to say but advaita vedanta will say that it's it is true next break um seems to me that yoga doesn't advocate a continual cessation of activity it's momentary you know nistra gunya bhavarjun just be without the three gunas but you didn't but then get up and fight you know yoga star kurmani and get established in 
yoga perform action. Um, so it's preparatory in a way for action. It's not um, in, con in opposition to it. And it also seems to me that yoga and Advaita are complementary um, in the sense that if the mind is agitated, then the understanding won't be as readily available that Advaita provides. Whereas if the mind is kind of habitually more serene or settled, then it, it's more easy to grasp the concepts of Advaita. So it seems to me they're just like two legs of one table or two tools to accomplish a task. Well, yes, you're right. But rem remember, the interpretation you gave of the Bhagavad Gita is a very Vedantic uh, interpretation. Uh, when I'm speaking about yoga, I'm speaking about Patanjali's yoga. So Patanjali's yoga regards the ultimate reality to be dualistic. Consciousness and the material universe, Prakriti and Purusha. And the, the purpose is, the, the point is to see yourself as separate from material universe. So uh, it is not very friendly to action. Converting yoga into action requires a Vedantic basis. You see Brahman everywhere and therefore whether you are withdrawn from action or in action, um, it is the same reality and then you can engage in action. Well then there's that other verse in the Gita, yoga, what is it, karma, yoga karma sukoshalam? Yoga karma sukoshalam. So, so it's actually again a, a helpful to skillful action. Yes, but remember the question here was not about that kind of yoga. The word yoga is vast in, in the Gita. So, uh, yoga karma shukasalam refers to karma yoga, uh, where you engage in action dedicated to God and it has a purificatory effect on the mind. So, that's the interpretation of traditional Vedanta. But the question here was about meditation. So, Patanjali yoga. Patanjali yoga would certainly not agree with yoga karma sukhaushalam. It would, it, in fact, one thing it is inimical to is actually external activity. Uh, Patanjali yoga. You cannot meditate if you don't sit down in asana, in, in, in a particular posture. So that I am again and again saying, when I say yoga, I meant Patanjali yoga. Otherwise, if you get a, take a general view of yoga, even Advaita is a kind of yoga, Jnana yoga. Devotion is a kind of yoga, Bhakti yoga. And yoga is skill in action, Karma yoga. So, all kinds, there are all kinds of yoga. But, uh, med, but, uh, but going back to your original statement, yes. So meditation is, one should not be misled by what I said, meditation is uh, blended with knowledge and is a, is a support to knowledge. Is it a dispensable support? Not unless you are extraordinary. For most of us, meditation is absolutely necessary. It may not be a sufficient condition, Patanjali, oh, this is a good way of putting it. Patanjali Yoga would say meditation is a sufficient condition for enlightenment. But uh, Advaita would say, certainly not a sufficient condition. Knowledge is a sufficient condition, but um, yoga would be a necessary condition. Meditation would be a necessary condition. Yeah, and it's not something you do all day, just like you don't eat all day or sleep all day. It's just part of your day, which balances all with the other Absolutely. things. Absolutely. And that kind of meditation is uh, always most welcome and necessary for uh, Advaitic knowledge. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so I often tend to um, stress the philosophical differences between the systems. One should keep that in mind. Um, any any other question? Yes, Swamiji. Yes. Uh, this is Girish. Uh, you mentioned yesterday that Advaita can have three paradigms: Shristi, Drishti, Drishti, Shristi, and Ajatavan, yes. corresponding to uh, waking, dreaming, and sleeping. Yes. Uh, but what about this 
Ekajiva paradigm. How does that fit? Is the is the Ekajiva Saguna Brahman? Is is the right, right. useful in the context of the waking dream where the right, dream right. Jiva and we are players in it? Right. So this is one aspect I had hoped to avoid, but if you think about it, you can't avoid it. This question logically will come up. So all right, you've asked it. But it also gives me a chance to clarify something I said yesterday. I was just thinking later, this paradigm of Srishti Drishti, Drishti Srishti and Ajata Vada being uh, based on um, deep sleep, um, on, on waking, dreaming and deep sleep, Jagrat Swapna Sushupti. I was later a little confused about whether I had actually heard it from Swami Paramarthanandaji because I mentioned that in the class uh, or somewhere else. Um, this much I remember that Swami uh, Paramarthanandaji did talk about it, uh, but whether he gave me this paradigm or not, I don't remember. So I might be misleading people if I say that he did. Um, though I'll get into your question, but let me share a very beautiful insight. I had gone to him with a question. My question was to Swami Paramarthanandaji. So the, my question was that Brahma Jnana, enlightenment, that flash of intuition which enables you, you to realize I am not this waker, Vishwa, I am Turiya, this breakthrough. Um, that's also within Maya. It's also within ignorance because mind, it comes in mind, all the practices are within Maya. And once it comes up, this flash of knowledge, knowledge removes ignorance and you realize that you are Brahman. The ignorance about Brahman is removed by the knowledge. Now, what was my doubt? My doubt was that um, Maya is the cause of this, uh, is the material cause of the entire universe, including my mind and including the flash of intuition which will come up also. So, in one sense, that flash of intuition is a product of Maya. Maya is the cause and Brahmagyana, enlightenment, is one of the effects ultimately of Maya. And yet that cause, that effect, Brahmagyana, destroys the cause, Agyana or Maya. Ma the ignorance is removed by the enlightenment, which is also a product of that ignorance. Are you with me so far? Now, what is the problem? The problem is, effect cannot destroy the cause. You might as well say, can a pot destroy the clay it is made of? No. Can wa um, uh, a wave destroy the water it is made of? No. What is, uh, in Vedantic or in Sankhya terms, what is creation and destruction? Emergence of the uh, effect from the cause is creation. And going back of the effect into the cause is destruction. Part comes, we call it creation. Part breaks and back to clay, we call it destruction. Wave comes up, we say it has come from the water. Pro uh, material cause water and the effect is wave. And the wave goes back into the water form. I mean, a waveform is lost, we say it has gone back to the cause. So, going back to cause is destruction. How can the effect destroy the cause? If you appreciate the question, you will appreciate the answer. Uh, this worried me. That we, are, uh, we are saying the original cause of everything, of course, Brahman, but Maya, and through Maya comes the mind, and through sadhana, ultimately, the flash of re realization. And that realization seems to destroy its own cause, Maya or ignorance, at least for that person. How? So he gave a very beautiful example. Uh, and he said, the yeah, question is well known in, in uh, uh, ancient Vedanta. So the example is this. Uh, it seems there is this bamboo forest, forest of bamboo. And when it's in dry season, in the wind, 
hot, dry wind, the bamboos, uh, they clash against each other. They rub against each other. And it can produce, a, 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 you know, by friction, fire. And the whole bamboo forest is burnt down. Now, notice that the bamboo forest is the cause. And the fire which is produced is an effect. But the effect burns down its cause. And it's also extinguished. Now, uh, his explanation was very beautiful. And then I realized my mistake, which I was making. Mistake is not that the effect cannot destroy the cause. It's just that the effect cannot exist without the cause. So, the effect destroys the cause, but it, along with that, it itself is destroyed also. So, the fire, which is born of the bamboo forest, destroys the bamboo forest, but then the fire cannot exist anymore. It also goes. Anyway, so that uh, solved my problem of uh, how enlightenment born of Maya can destroy Maya. Okay. Now, um, back to your question. Eka Jiva Vada. What is Eka Jiva Vada? Only one Jiva exists. If you think about it, in your dream, when you see so many people and animals and birds, actually how many are there? When you wake up, what would you say? Did I see a world full of many people and plants and animals? No. I was the only one there. I appeared as many. I appeared as myself in the dream and plus many other jivas. But those jivas were not jivas. They were my imagination. In your dream, in our dreams, we are all Eka Jiva. We are one being. Now, if you push Gaudapada's way of explaining Advaita, doesn't it lead to Eka Jiva? That in this uh, um, um, world right now, if the waking world and the dream world are similar, same paradigm, then isn't it true that there is only one Jiva? Everything that appears, appears to the mind of that one Jiva. And the mind itself is an appearance in pure consciousness, which is Turiya. It's just that that Jiva does not know itself as Turiya. It's like a person who is in the middle of his own dream and can wake up. And similarly, this one Jiva will one day wake up and realize, I am Turiya. But there is nobody else. There is nobody else. Rest of us, all of us, we are dreams of that Jiva. So this is Eka Jiva Vada. Uh, is this, uh, you say, who is that Jiva? It's you. Say, Swamiji, which one of us? There are 62 of us in the Zoom and you are also there, 63. Whoever you are, it is you. <laughs> you are that one Jiva. Now you can see that it's basically a methodology, a paradigm for you to practice Advaita. Now you say, is it true or not? Is that really there's one Jiva? And the answer will be, what is ultimately true in Advaita? In Advaita, ultimately it's true that only Turiya is there. So this Eka Jiva Vada would also be a paradigm, a kind of um, algorithm for you to process your sadhana through. But this Eka Jiva Vada, it follows from Drishti Srishti Vada. Do you see the connection? Srishti Drishti Vada, world exists and then I come and see it, that Im necessarily implies many Jivas. As we common sense approach to the world, we think there are many beings, like we think we are all different beings. This is Srishti Drishti Vada, based on the waking state paradigm. But based on the dream paradigm, you have Drishti Srishti Vada, uh, which is an idealistic view of life. That, if you pursue it, if you push it a little further logically, it leads straight to Eka Jiva Vada. That is, in Western philosophy, it's called solipsism. One-knower. 
yes. But what is the role of uh, uh, Ishwara or Saguna Brahman in this? In this then Ishwara is also a, an, a, a, a figment of that Eka Jeeva's imagination. There is only one, one Jeeva who ultimately realizes that I am Turiya and that's it, it's over. Uh, whereas the role played by the Eka Jeeva is somewhat similar to the role played by Ishwara in the Bahujiva's model. The world seems to be a dream of Ishwara or Hiranyagarbha and we are all part of it. Uh, but if you say I am that Hiranyagarbha and this world is like my dream, then it becomes Ekajiva Vada. Though it's a, it's a very honored uh, model, not the main model, but honored model in Advaita Vedanta. In fact, in one place, um, Madhusudan Saraswati says, Ekajiva Vada Eva Mukhya Siddhanta. This is the prime uh, axiom, conclusion of uh, <laughs> Advaita Vedanta. But it's just something not suitable. It seems too crazy for most of us. It, it can be a good model of practice for a radical uh, Advaitin. There was one Advaitin who lived about 600 years ago, uh, Prakashananda Saraswati. He wrote this book, Vedanta Siddhanta Muktavali. Vedanta Siddhanta Muktavali. It's been translated. And uh, there he strongly advocates Drishti Srishti Vada and I think Ekajiva Vada also. He says, this is, it's a, it's a much shorter way of practice actually. It's very easy to dismiss the world if you are honestly an Ekajiva Vadin. All right, let's hold on the questions. Let's make a little more progress. Next verse is very important. It addresses the problem. Why is there a problem in Advaita Vedanta? Why aren't we making progress? Why is it that things are good in the class, uh, even if we understand it, but that they don't seem to work uh, when we face the world outside? 82. Sukham abriyate nityam, dukham vibriyate sada, yasya kasya chadharmasya, grahena bhagavana so. Because of the passion for any object, whatever it be, the Lord becomes ever covered up easily, and He is at all times uncovered with difficulty. Right. See, one big advantage of Advaita Vedanta is, um, or one attraction of Advaita Vedanta is that um, it seems to be instantaneous. I realize I'm Turiya and it's done. Yes. Oh, that's much better than putting in lifetime after lifetime. Uh, Krishna says in, in uh, Bhagavad Gita, one practices lifetime after lifetime and evolves spiritually and in the final life one, uh, one realizes, one sees Vasudeva is everything and so on and so forth. That seems like an awfully long journey. Instantaneous realization, wonderful. So that, that's one attraction. The other great attraction is it seems effortless just by knowledge. I will attend a few classes, I will realize I am Brahman and that's it. Everything is done and all these poor people uh, meditating and doing puja, going to temples and taking a terrible this, uh, pilgrimages and uh, morning, evening, getting up early, fasting, ekadashi and uh, so many things people are doing. Uh, hard, year after year, decade after decade, maybe lifetime after lifetime. All of that I can get in an instant and effortlessly, without any effort. True, 
But here Gaudapada says, not true. The fine print Gaudapada is going to give us now. So many people, see, see what happens is basically this. Even after the study of Vedanta, the world keeps on appearing to us. If it were like my dream, you know, Africa, lion chasing me. See, when I wake up, wake up from the dream into the waking state, the whole thing disappears. Not only I know it is false, it also disappears. Whereas, when you wake up from the dream of ignorance and realize you are Brahman, this world will not disappear. The waking world will appear to you and the waking body will appear to you, mind will appear to you, memories will appear to you and all the people will appear to you. That all will become Turiya? No. They will appear as they were appearing. Eyes will see form, ears will hear sound, nose will smell, tongue will taste, same things will appear externally and internally in your mind also. You only realize that they are all appearances in the reality which is Turiya, which is clear to you. But the problem is not only it appears that way, the world, your pe the people, uh, children, husband, wife, uh, they will treat you not as Turiya. They will not say, oh, you have realized, no, now from now on you are Turiya, we are worthy of respect. No, they will treat you as Vishwa, as the waker, as they were treating you throughout your life. Everybody, husband, wife, mother, uh, father, children, and children will not say, oh, mummy, now I will be very careful with you, now you are Turiya. No, mummy is the same mummy. So, they will, the word boss will treat you just like that, not with any more respect because you are Turiya now. So, the world will be behave with you the, in the same way. Even if I realize that it is a dream, the lion in the dream will keep on chasing the Swami. So, it will not, like the story of uh, Shankaracharya who climbed the tree, it's just a story. And the, when elephant was chasing and the king asked him, if you are Brahman, and the elephant is Brahman and all is Brahman, why did you climb the tree? And uh, the funny answer was, that, oh king, you know that I am Brahman. Uh, you know that the elephant is Brahman. I also know that. But does the elephant know it? So the elephant of the world does not know that it is Brahman or Turiyam. It will behave with you just as it has been. And your own tendencies are there lifetime after lifetime. So what will happen is, as we come into the waking world, we will start very soon behaving as if it is real and as if I am Vishwa, not Turiya. We will start behaving as if we are Vishwa. We will start feeling as if we are Vishwa. And then slowly what happens, that knowledge which is gathered in Mandukya class, that even that clarity which is gathered, all this I am saying that some clarity is there already. This clarity also becomes occluded, eclipsed. He says, Grahena. If you see, Grahena means actually seeing or experiencing external objects. When you ex see that, but another meaning of graha is uh, eclipse. It occludes, it hides, it covers up as it were your understanding of Vedanta. This I am talking about us, we are not talking about Jivan Mukta, uh, the enlightened one. So in our case what happens, this is the problem. And that's why we will have some kind of understanding of Turiya, Mandukya, but our behavior will be of Vishwa, the waker. And uh, you will notice all the problems are Vishwa problems, not Vishwa means Vekar's problems, not Turiya problems. Turiya has no problem. And therefore, you will see all the questions which come. 
some are philosophical questions but many of the practical questions will come but you will see always but swamiji and problem will come you will see if you uh, if you see what is the problem it will see it's a problem of vishwa it comes only when you take the vishwa identity as real not as an appearance if you take it as real then the problems of vishwa also will become real and it's very natural it's very natural because it feels so real even a cinema which you see some kind of scary movie if you see but children start crying in the movie even if they understand it's a cinema you get affected people scream in fear or if it's a tragedy people the you will weep although you know it's a movie very soon if it's a skillfully done well directed movie with good special effects you will be absorbed in it knowing well at least in the background of your mind it's a movie but you still cry when there is a tragedy you um, you scream in horror if there is a ghost and these things it it affects now it's just a movie and you know it's a movie it is still affecting you imagine if we if we are not very clear whether this is a movie or reality and not just it's on the screen five senses are engaged you see and you hear and you smell and you taste and you touch and everybody here is behaving as if this is real not as a movie then how much we will be affected by it how much we will be affected by it it's like this suppose now they are think they are making movies even more realistic it seems that if you sit in the chair some movie th- uh, uh, hall is there that when the car is there on the screen the chair will also move you will feel not only you will see it not only will you hear it but it will also move like a like a simulator and if there is uh, the character is smelling a flower there will be a little nozzle in the chair which will squirt a little perfume so when the character is smelling you will also smell the flower and maybe little more 3d uh, these virtual realities are there which becomes even more vivid suppose you en- enter such a well made such a high tech movie and you are seeing you cannot see the hall anymore you cannot see your own body you can only see the virtual world and when you look the body also will be a virtual body hands will be moving that's also a virtual ha- hand you moving you cannot see your own body at all not only that suppose you cannot hear anything in the hall only what is supplied to you by the movie suppose now you cannot touch anything tactile i saw so i was taken a tour to mit media labs and uh, some things there are confidential anyway so i was uh, they had this uh, security pass so they took me inside the lab and nobody was there and they were showing me certain projects which are uh, now cutting edge one is tactile so there are bubbles floating in the air is a very simple thing uh, but it shows the potential so swami try to pop the bubble it's just not a real bubble and only light but when you try to pop it there are uh, little bursts of air which are given into your hand so you feel actually you're popping something you're you're touching something uh, so you can actually interact with virtual environments uh, shaking hands is like somebody sitting in the Uh, west coast and here you are in boston in the media labs you can actually shake hands you are shaking hands with a robot hand but that person is feeling your hand you are feeling that person's hand so the such things are there now imagine and that's they are trying to bring in bring into um, not yet into commercial use but they will try so uh what was i saying now imagine you are in that now and the um, um world external world is not appearing to you at all now add some more thing 
which is not possible in the modern technology as yet but add some more thing suppose your memories are taken out you cannot you don't remember who you are that i am swami sarvapriyananda watching a virtual movie that i forget suppose now suppose the thoughts of that character the hero heroine villain whoever it is that is now put into my mind somehow what is the condition that is exactly our condition right now naturally we'll be immersed in it and yet at any point not a little bit of it is true what is true you the experiencing consciousness that much only is true right now advaita helps us to see this so what does he say if we take this waking experience to be a little bit real yasya kasya cha dharmasya grahena any entity dharma here means any entity so any entity if you take it as being a real separate entity apart from consciousness what happens sukhena abriyate bhagavan so so he calls turiya bhagavan the glorious lord bhagavan your real nature sukhena very easily it gets covered over my turiya nature my brahman nature very easily it is covered forgotten and only with great difficulty dukham vibriyate sada only with great difficulty does it become manifest again again you have to attend many mandukya classes before clarity comes i became so confused by the world now mandukya classes <laughs> one more course of mandukya is required to give me that clarity again so what should we do we should seriously study vedanta shravana every doubt should be cleared up every doubt whatever comes don't be afraid of asking question mananam best is if you can clear uh, get to the understanding yourself if that those little confusions knots are untied in our own understanding by ourselves best otherwise the books are there you will find the same questions have been asked in the books and answers are given ask the teacher teachers uh, we can ask me and other teachers and you will get clarity but after having got all of that nididhyasana is connects with meditation what rick was saying earlier and also uh, who was asking punam dhyasing was saying about meditation vedantik nididhyasana why vedantik nididhyasana is necessary long period of staying with it having understood by shravana getting conviction by manana see the the purpose what is the purpose of shravana manana nididhyasana the purpose of shravana is to get the knowledge i did not know now i know how, how in what way do you know just reading studying understanding that much i know then mananam conviction i know but i have many doubts that is the end of shravanam doubts are cleared absolute clarity and conviction is there now i know i believe it because there is, seems to be it seems to be true absolutely there is there is no way out of it it's obvious truth that is mananam not yet realization then you soak yourself somebody said marination when you cook something after cooking is finished you don't immediately take it off the fire you put the lid on it and let it stew there let it stay there so that the, it soaks in all the masala and the spices nicely similarly after shravana manana long period of nididhyasana is necessary bhagavad gita talks about it again and again uh, wherever the mind wanders withdraw the mind from all that atmanneva vasham nayat uh, establish in atman what atman that clarity must be there by vedanta earlier otherwise you will not know what atman am i going to put it on once that clarity is there i stay with the atman na kinchit api chintayet sri krishna says do not let the mind think of anything else that is nididhyasana stay with that radiance stay with that vastness 
we sit together, the old mountain and I, until only the mountain remains. That is Nididhyasana. Stay with it again and again and again. Um, Totapuri told Sri Ramakrishna, Sri Ramakrishna asked him, you are an enlightened person, why do you meditate so much? He said, look at this brass pot, that unless you scrub it daily, the shine will go away. It will still be brass. Enlightened person is enlightened and moksha is guaranteed for someone like Todapuri. But a layer of worldliness falls. If you stay too much with waker and deal with the waking world, too much vyavahara, then a layer falls. And so, so these sadhus in the Uttarakhand, they know this very well. So there are many, many stories about it. One is about the mongoose. The mongoose, neula they say. The mongoose which fights with the cobra. The cobra is powerful and poisonous and the mongoose fights with it. Uh, but sometimes the cobra may bite it. Mongoose is good at evading, but sometimes it gets bitten. Now the poison is put into the mongoose's body. So the, what the mongoose does is, it, at least according to their lore in the mountains, it rushes off into the forest and it knows there is a particular herb. It chews on that and the poison goes away. Then it comes back and again fights with the cobra. Similarly, when you are a Vedantin, and you are dealing with this world of Maya, we are back into waking world, Jagrat Prapancha, and waking body, and the waking personality. Remember that super virtual movie, you are back into that, how dangerous. So that is the poison of the cobra. You must again go back and chew the, the, the herb of Mandukya. Listen to the recordings, study the notes, chant the Mandukya, stay with it for some time, back again to the waking world. So, this is the process of sadhana, shravana, manana, nididhyasana. Uh, Professor Arindam Chakravarti, he quoted from the Buddhist scriptures. He gave a very nice, uh, same thing in, in Buddhism. They call it shrutamai pragya, uh, chintamai pragya, uh, shrutamai drishti, chintamai drishti, no, shrutamai pragya, uh, chintamai pragya and drishtimai pragya. So, the wisdom that comes from shruti by hearing, by studying, so, that itself takes a lot of effort. Many times, studying different texts of Advaita, you begin to get Shrutamai Pragya, a kind of wisdom which comes, I understand now. Whole paradigm shifts now. You have a vast understanding now. And then, Chintamai Pragya. You think deeply, philosophically about it. And clarity comes, Chintamai Pragya. That is Mananam. And then, Drishtimai Pragya, even deeper. You meditate on what you have understood. Then it becomes, you see it. Drishti means seeing it. it. It becomes a living reality. In the waking state itself, it becomes a living reality. I am Turiyam. All of these are appearances in Turiyam. This is the answer that he gives. Let me do one more verse. Should I or? Okay, let's stop here. The next one is also interesting, very interesting in fact. But we will take it up ne uh, next time. Let me see if there are any comments or questions. Alright, before I take the next question, uh, I have said this number of times, but let me repeat. I heard this from Swami Ramananda Saraswati in, in uh, Haridwar. Very uh, great Advaitin. He passed away a few years ago. Non-dualist. So, um, one of the devotees a householder devotee who had an operation, kidney transplant, came to him and uh, he, the Swami was asking, how are you now? He said, the operation is over, but I have got strict medicine and diet. The Swami asked, but the operation is over, so why do you have to follow strict diet now and medicine? 
and the gentleman explained you see uh, it works this way. Uh, once a new organ is put into the body one must be very careful um, otherwise what will happen is the uh, body will not accept the organ as part of itself and the benefits from that organ will not flow and ultimately the body will reject that organ and the organ will die the whole thing will be disaster and, and the person may also die. Then the Swami became very excited. He looked at the rest of the monks and the devotees assembled and he said, Yehi hai Mahatma ji, this is, this is the thing, this is what you have to do after Vedantic study. See, after Vedantic study what happens is, you must have intensive sadhana, meditation, japa, uh, devotion, nishkama karma, everything for purifying the mind and guarding that knowledge which you have got. Stay with it, cultivate it. Intensive sadhana is required after Vedanta, he says. Otherwise, what will happen? This knowledge which you have gained will not be integrated with your personality. It will become, you know, like, okay, there is some interesting thing I learned, that's all. It must become your knowledge. And if it does not become integrated with your personality, you will not get the benefit. Like the kidney will not give the benefit, and the knowledge also will not give the benefit. The peace and joy and strength you want from Advaita will not come. And last, uh, like the kidney being rejected by the body, this knowledge also will be rejected by the mind, which is not cultivating this knowledge. After some time, you will say, I, I understood at one time, but now I forgot it all. So, intense sadhana, like you know, diet and the medicines which are required after organ transplant, similarly, in, intense sadhana is required after Mandukya transplant. Okay. Question? Swamiji, I uh, feel like a mongoose, I still have to go back and bite that uh, weed and come back. Since I was given a choice, I want to ask you this first. All the meditation and all the efforts are still mental. Yes. You are asking us, how do we get breakthrough uh, if it is a mental phenomenon uh, to go to something that is beyond the mental function? Hmm. You may have answered this question, but yes. still the an, an, a simple yes and, uh, it's, uh, i understand and like yes. how to breathe on the land yes no, i understand what you are asking no the problem is mental and the solution is mental remember by your sadhana you are not doing something to that which is beyond the mental what is beyond the mental beyond the physical turiya pure consciousness but your sadhana, your shravana, mananam, nididhyasana has nothing to do with turiyam. It is something done at the level of the mind and intellect. Turiyam is ever there. Who needs, uh, does turiyam need shravana, mananam, nididhyasana? No. Will shravana, mananam, but I need it. You think you are this jiva. You need shravana, mananam, nididhyasana. This thinking that I am the jiva, this error, at where is this error? This error is not in turiya, it is in the mind. Ignorance is in the mind, knowledge will come in the mind and remove the ignorance in the mind, you realize you are Turiya. This Shravana Manana Nididhyasana has no direct access to Turiya. That's why Swami Vivekananda, he wrote a nice little note, it's in the complete works of Swami Vivekananda, to an American person who asked, just give me the gist of Jnana Yoga, Bhakti Yoga, Karma Yoga and all of that. Two, three pages. There he says, these Yogas are all indirect paths to enlightenment. So even Jnana Yoga is indirect. What it does is, the error of thinking that I am not Turiyam, actually feeling that I am not Turiyam, 
that I am not Brahman. This error is removed by knowledge. All the practices are level of mind and intellect, you are right. But all the problems are also at the level of mind and intellect. So see? how does it uh, happen? Is it like a flash of light you are talking about? Ah, so now next is, how does enlightenment happen? Yes. Two things are there. Is it gradual or is it a flash if you are asking that? Both. The flash is, there is a sudden breakthrough. How will you know if I want, how do I distinguish between understanding and this actual breakthrough? The, uh, the, the distinction will be that br the actual breakthrough, the intuitive breakthrough will never go away. It, even if you don't cultivate it, it will be there, fresh, constantly available all throughout. After that, there will be a clear before and after. After that, you will never be able to regard yourself as this body-mind anymore. You may make the mistake, but you know deep inside, I am not this, I have seen. And that breakthrough will not... Sorry? When I try to think about this, I feel an intense level of frustration. And uh, I... I that, that's that frustration is good. But remember, you need not feel frustration. If you have any, even a little bit of belief, uh, and belief only. Little bit of belief, little bit of understanding of Vedanta, you know that you are already Turiyam. You are as much Turiyam or Brahman as I, Swami Vivekananda, Ramana Maharshi, uh, Sri Ramakrishna. You are that same Brahman already, without any further effort also. You are that. So, you need not feel frustrated. No harm will ever come to you. But it's good to make that breakthrough. Good to what? Make that breakthrough. So, this is the instantaneous. But then I said also progressive in what sense progressive? As I was saying, all the samskaras stored up in this mind. Ultimately, even after the breakthrough, the external world will appear, you will appear as the body-mind and the visual identity will try to grab you. So there, that progressive manifestation of what you have realized. That's why Swami Vivekananda said, religion is the manifestation of the divinity already within us. It's very interesting. He never said it is realized, it is knowledge of the divinity within us. He said it is manifestation of the divinity. So the manifestation always takes place at the level of intellect, mind, emotions, behavior. Can I manifest this knowledge that I am the Turiyam, um, realization that I am the Turiyam in my day-to-day -day life? That is a progressive path. And that requires Nididhyasana staying with this knowledge. Uh, Shankaracharya calls it Jnana Nishtha. Dharana. Uh, no, Jnana Nishtha. Dharana is much earlier. Dharana is able to hold on to what you have learnt, staying with it. Jnana Nishtha is realization. Already realization is there. But you stay with it to overcome past tendencies. You keep on manifesting the reality in day-to-day -day life. Jnana Nishtha. Yes. Yes. Uh, I've been uh, thinking about asking this question for the last couple of days, but I've been hesitating because we've left, left this subject already. Uh, you know, I, I've been, it's been bugging me for a few days that I need to know a little bit about what Buddha himself taught. Because we've talked about this four schools, South Africa and Vajrahashika, etc. But why was the necessity for these schools to emerge? Did Buddha leave some gaps in his study, in his uh, teachings or uh, we haven't seen this happen, for example, in Sri Ramakrishna's teaching. We have not seen different... You give it time. Like give it time. <laughs> it's only 100, 100 years. Yes. But why... So, if you can recommend a basic book on Buddha that I can read... We'll see. Uh, we'll take this up. Uh, let's postpone it discussion to next okay. time because 
the buddhists were going to come back in a big way in the next verse okay uh, okay next verse itself buddhist sure. jainas all these things very interesting discussion will come back um and so we'll see see that next time also if you can please think about a basic some book that i can There are numerous books i can tell you a couple of books which i liked which we were introduced we were introduced okay. to in okay uh in uh, at harvard yes right. huh you you have you don't have to, you don't have to tell the names of the books right now you can do it later if you i'll give you the names of the books in the next class oh. yeah okay sure yeah prarthi ji who prarthi good morning yes Question is uh, if the realization is same for all, then uh, we find that uh, in uh, in Thakur, uh, if anyone says that that uh, if even a cat coming, they can certainly say, "Oh, mother, you are coming in that form." But uh, Thakur's uh, teacher Tota Puri became angry when he uh, say uh, someone uh, taking a fire from his sacred tree fire. Hmm. All right, let me stop you there. Uh, your language you what you said was is the realization is the same for all but we never said the realization is same for all it is realization about the same reality but because that reality is infinite and our approaches to that reality are also many um, one may approach it through advaita vedanta another one approaches it through devotion in devotion also somebody approaches as kali as krishna or as christ so our mind is also involved in that realization after all realization is at the level of the mind so our mind is involved in realization and the mind is conditioned by our particular approach same reality uh, sri ramakrishna says the same ghat was the same pool and in different ghats in different places people come and collect water and they call it differently item is the same the the the, the object is the same god is the same reality but because of our different approaches and because of the infinite nature of god uh, so the realizations also will vary so he gave the example of the chameleon um bahurupi in sri ramakrishna says somebody says it's yellow somebody says it's red somebody says it's green it has different colors somebody says it's colorless who is col- <laughs> what colorless means the gyani so yes so different uh, approaches are possible same reality different kinds of realization why because that reality is infinite and our minds are also different nindya Hello. Hi. Um, Swamiji, something has always bothered me about this teaching. Uh, I don't see you. I see the whole. Do you see me? No. No, I see you. Yes. Okay. You see me? Yes, I do. Okay. Something's always bothered me about this um the teaching that the no, the mind is no, the borrows consciousness. you know that the body bar everything borrows consciousness yes and and that because how can consciousness be borrowed if all there is is consciousness it's like borrowing space from space you you can't borrow space from space it, yes right right so the mind is consciousness the body is consciousness yes right so it's in a little bit misleading kind of to say uh right let me just respond to that what you said at the end is the actual conclusion remember these teachers always teach in stages 
So when you say everything is consciousness, ultimately the mind is nothing other than consciousness. The body is nothing other than consciousness. The world is nothing other than consciousness. When you say that, that's the ultimate non-dualistic truth. There is one consciousness alone and no, no second thing apart from it. Advaita means non-dual, a non-dual consciousness. So what about all these things which are appearing, not only second, but third and fourth and fifth and millions of things, they are none other than consciousness itself. Just as no wave is apart from water. Alright, so granted, that's the truth. But if you just go to the man on the street or, or even a beginning student and say, everything is consciousness. They may say, that sounds cool, but I don't get it. How is this book consciousness? How is this... Uh, or um, how is my shoe consciousness? No. The only thing that feels conscious is I. I feel conscious. Then you have to start with accepting what that person accepts as reality. There is a material universe, non-conscious world. And there is a body and there are sense organs and there is a mind. And at some, some point it begins to feel conscious. Um, for me, the book or the table doesn't feel conscious but my hand feels conscious my eyes feel conscious my mind feels even more conscious and when i try to push beyond so step by step you're shown no you are consciousness itself and the, um, a living system like a body uh, gets consciousness from you much like uh, the pan gets heat from the fire underneath it yeah right okay thanks so thank you The Let's quickly go through the, uh, before we end, some of the comments. Um, then, so, Ekajivavad comments are there. Yes, Raman Saraswati, some of the videos are there, which are now been posted. Let me see if that is the correct link. Yes, this is the correct link. So some simple, but you have to understand Hindi to see those videos. There's a comment that's the problem with new Advaita people. They think an understanding is sufficient and sadhana is unnecessary. Yes, certain groups are there. Um, not only that, there are some who think even understanding is not necessary. So you just to sit quietly and you are it. Do you get it? And there's some peer pressure, you have to say, I get it, otherwise you feel left out, like maybe you're, you're too dumb, everybody else gets it and everybody else isn't. See, uh, what happens is, in many of the cases I've felt, I won't name names, in many of the cases I've felt that the teacher actually has some insight. The teacher does have some insight and that accounts for the power of the teachings. So when people listen to the teacher, it feels real because that teacher is talking from a place of actual seeing. But this is, this is a phenomenon that was well understood in ancient India. They knew that people could make those breakthroughs. But the recommendation always was, once you have made the breakthrough, you plunge into deeper spiritual practice. Don't claim to be an enlightened person. Don't start teaching immediately. Stay with it. Stabilize that wisdom. And if the opportunity comes for you to share that wisdom, that's well and good. Um, and there was a methodology. That's why Dennis Waite's book is so good. There is an ancient methodology of transmitting that body of teachings. You don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. It's good to you know, um, see the procedures that have been developed. The method of the five sheets, 
the drigdrish crncine the analysis of crncine the method of waking dreaming and deep sleep so many multiple methodologies called prakriyas have been developed over centuries if not millennia and these are very good one may work for one one may work for the other it's a good good structure and paradigm which a traditional teacher will transmit to the student yeah all right that seems to be all for today uh, next time some interesting verses are there and that's for um, wednesday again all right om shanti 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 hari om tat sat shri ram krishna rupa namastu